0: Welcome to the New Clothes Podcast. This is where we are creating a space for our brokenness, yet remembering that God uses broken people just like us. We are laying our shame at the foot of the cross, and we are walking courageously in our freedom. We are standing on the promise of Zechariah 3, 4, See, I have taken away your sins, and now I am giving you these new clothes. Satan, you don't get to win today, we are forgiven, we are free, and we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. So, let's get started, friends. I got new clothes, don't you want some to I gotta tell you what it is. To you so today we are with my friend Cindy, and Cindy Flynn from North Michigan, up where there's tons of snow right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cindy, tell us just a little bit about who you are.
1: I'm a wife. I've been married for about 11 years now, and I'm also a teacher. I teach special education. So I live with my husband. Like you said, we're up in the northwest part of Michigan, lower peninsula, but just a little bit before the bridge. So we're right in the heart of the snow belt. So we definitely get a lot of snow here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Cindy, about two years ago, something happened to you that really rocked your world, right? What yep. was that?
1: I was in an auto accident. a head on collision.
0: Oh, wow. Tell us, how did that happen? What did you go through?
1: So my husband and I, we decided to go finish up some last-minute Christmas shopping. It was December 19th. Mm. Um, My husband actually has perithial neuropathy, and no one knows why. So we had actually gone down the day before to Ann Arbor, and then he was supposed to have surgery the following week for a nerve biopsy to try to figure out more with that. Oh, wow. So we wanted to go get our Christmas shopping finished. We just had a little bit left. And so we headed in. It was snowing, but mm-hmm. we live in the snow, but like I said, so it's always snowing here in the wintertime. <laughs> so we were like, well, we're just going to keep going. And we did. We got about 10 minutes or so from our house and then we hit black ice just right. Oh, and wow. it flung the car head on. We were in a four lane highway yeah. and we went all the way across to the far lane and hit a car that was coming head on.
0: Oof. That must have been very scary in the moment.
1: It was, yeah. (laughs) Wow. It felt like it happened in slow motion. It was like everything slowed down and the airbag exploded. You could see stuff flying. It was all like completely slow motion in that moment.
0: So you hit the car head on. Ambulances come. How long did you wait? What happened? Yeah, I'm not
1: sure how long we waited. My husband called 911. He actually couldn't even find his phone, but I had had my phone there. I, he was driving and I was actually taking some pictures just because it looked really pretty just before the accident happened. So my phone was right there. So he grabbed that, called 911. He asked if I was okay and I couldn't respond very well. I tried to tell him I wasn't, but I was having a lot of trouble breathing. So I couldn't tell him much. Um, he called my mom as well after we hung up from 911 and then told her what had happened, asked her to start praying for us. And so my mom tried to talk to me but I couldn't say much. I basically could just say I couldn't breathe much. And then I didn't feel much for pain at the time. Mm-hmm. I tried to pull myself up which I've actually had a lot of CPR and first aid training so I knew like if you're injured you're not supposed to move. <laughs> 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 and I, at that point, though, was struggling to breathe so much, I was like, "Breathing's going to trump any kind of spinal injury or or anything,
2: okay. so I
1: remember reaching with my right wrist to pull myself up with the little door handle that goes like over top of the door
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I felt immediate pain all the way through my arm from my oh. wrist. but I pulled myself up and then could breathe a little bit better, not much, but a little bit and then the paramedics came they checked on both of us and then the other car as well i was labeled priority 1 so okay. they cut me out of the vehicle cuz they couldn't get the door all oh, they had to cut it off um and then they got me out of the vehicle they put like a neck brace on me got me on do a like a gurney type thing and mm-hmm. got me to the ambulance and then they had to cut everything off of me once i got <sighs> into the ambulance and I remember at that point, I felt uh, my left wrist, I it had already felt really funny, but okay. my right wrist was the one I used to pull myself up with. The left wrist felt really funny. When they cut my coat off, I felt really warm moisture. Uh-oh. And so I was like, is my wrist broken? And the paramedic looked really funny. Like, I couldn't really, uh, the look on his face, I was just like, yeah, my wrist is broken. <laughs> yeah. And... But he was like, Yep, it's broken and I would find out later that it had actually broken through the skin in two places. So, so the warmth
0: that you felt was blood.
1: Yeah. It was Ugh. blood from the arm. Yeah. So, so and did I, you end
0: up having two broken wrists?
1: I did, yes. Ugh. Yep. Both wrists were broken. Um we would find out later. I've wondered often if I have a high tolerance for pain. We would find mm-hmm. out later that I really do. About a month before this accident had happened, I had hit, it was either a very large deer or an elk head-on. It jumped right out in front of me, totaled our other car. So, at the time, I was like, I'm fine. And my wrist was sore for a while. Well, in the second accident, we found out it had actually been broken in the first accident.
0: Oh, my Lance.
1: But I, it was sore. I didn't think too much of it, so... Wow. Um. So both wrists were broken, but one was actually a rebreak from the first accident. My,
0: I would be dying. Like,
1: <laughs> that's what I don't think I have a high said. pain
0: tolerance at all, Cindy. That's that's incredible.
1: It was really both a blessing and a curse. Which will I'll kind of talk more about that as the story goes on. But um. So yeah, the paramedics started rushing me to the hospital. It was really bad out. Like okay. the roads were getting worse and worse. I don't know how long it took us. I remember laying on the gurney in the ambulance and then just praying that I wouldn't stop breathing. Just I knew there was like this voice, and I don't know if it was the paramedic or not, but it was a male voice. And he kept telling me, don't go to sleep. You won't wake up if you go to sleep. And so oh. I just forced myself to stay awake and then wait till we got to the hospital. And then they got me in, and it was like all the nurses and doctors just swarmed me. There were so many people around me. They took me into, in my mind at least, it was a metal room. I'm assuming it was like an operating room. That's my guess. Sure. And then they were all investigating me. They took x-rays. They did all kinds of tests and things. And then they put my mom on the phone with me. One of the nurses did. I guess she had called the hospitals looking for me, and so they let her talk to me and it really in many the nurse never said this but it almost felt like she was letting us say goodbye just in case and That's,
0: your mom <laughs> must have been feeling like overwhelmed with emotion was, what did yeah. that feel like for you to talk to her in that moment
1: it felt good to talk to her but i was also like i'm not saying goodbye like i felt like god still <laughs> had a plan for me so i was like i'm still going to be here so i'm not saying goodbye we never said goodbye Wow. She just told me she was praying for me, and then they rushed me off to surgery. So the first, I had a whole lot of surgeries, but the first <laughs> surgery, um, they would find out that I had internal bleeding. My okay. abdominal wall had almost completely burst. Ugh. My liver and colon were damaged. My small intestine, they had to take out about 10 inches of it because it was oh, pretty badly man's... damaged. So,
0: you yeah, were so bruised on the inside.
1: Very bruised, yeah. Yup. Wow. Yeah. And then both wrists were broken. <laughs> My right ankle was broken. My left toes were broken. <laughs> um, we would find out and some of this, we didn't even find out for a couple of days because I ended up in ICU. So the first surgery, they did the stomach and the left wrist because that's okay. what was pretty obvious. As I was in ICU for a few days, they found the ankle was broken. The <laughs> toes were broken. Then they also found out my hip on the left side had dislocated and broken as well.
0: And so you're, you're high pain tolerance. I mean, anybody else would be like, oh, my hip hurts. Oh, my toes hurt. Oh, my.
2: Yelp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's insane. That's it insane. was. Yeah. What were yeah. you thinking when you've heard all these things are broken?
1: I wasn't really sure what to think. It was overwhelming in a lot of ways. Mm. But at the same time, part of me was just like, okay, well, what's the plan? Like, what are we going to do next? How are we going to fix this? Sure. And then just wondering what else. At one point, one of the doctors said to me something like, well, from the neck up, nothing is broken. <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> and we they... can say thank God for that, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yup. <laughs> yeah. They also found that I had broken ribs and a broken scapula as well. Oh. I so they kept finding that. over like two, three days, they kept finding broken bones. Uh, so that was tough because sometimes it was like, okay, what's going to be broken next? Right, right. But yeah, and I'm sure with shock too. I'm sure shock played a role in not feeling as much pain. Sure. But then I was in the hospital for a while. I couldn't eat much at all. I couldn't eat anything for a few days mm-hmm. because of all the internal damage. They had to make sure things were functioning properly. Okay. So I was like in the ICU, hooked up to tubes and stuff, different things, and then. Finally, I got to go from ICU to a room, and that was just before Christmas. Oh. And then I was in a regular room just mm-hmm. before Christmas. Finally got to have, like, juice and some other stuff, which I remember that was, like, amazing because I hadn't eaten anything in a while. So just even to simple feel things something. like juice. Yeah. yeah in your mouth, That was really yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> but then I celebrated Christmas in the hospital. Okay. So Ben had been told he could come and see me and by one of the doctors, because they were going to ship me off to a rehab center afterwards. Okay. Because the hospital just, they didn't have the resources for the amount of damages that I had. Sure. So they were going to send me to a a resource place, a rehab place to help with that. But we knew we wouldn't be able to see each other, especially with COVID because this was December of 2020. So it was in the heart of COVID. (laughs) Oh my word.
0: Nobody could come see me. The doctor told him he could just thinking about that. You had to have a lot of mental strength because that's like making me tear up right now. Just thinking like, (laughs) I think of those times of COVID and how people couldn't have anybody come in to see them. Yeah. So Ben came to see you. (laughs) Sorry. He
1: did. Oh, it's all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he got there and the people at the front desk told him he wasn't allowed in. (laughs) And so he ended up waiting which, like I said, he has neuropathy. He waited and they wouldn't let him sit down for like over three hours before they finally agreed to come let him see me for a couple hours. So he got to come and see me on Christmas. And then we spent just a short time together and then he had to leave. But I actually remember it for me. It was actually one of the best Christmases I've ever had, even though I was in the hospital. Really? So it was just it was like, I really felt the presence of Jesus just like right there with me. And it was Mm -hmm. like such a sweet moment. I got to know somebody in the hospital and I won't tell all of her story because I feel like that's her story to tell. But um, I felt like God really put me there for a reason. So the person that was there, we made a connection. We actually still talk to this day and it really kind of had an impact on her too. So it was eye opening for me just to see like, Yeah, this is awful, and there's a lot of really bad stuff happening, but God put me here for a reason, and there's a plan in this, even if I don't understand what's happening.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible. And what a way to look at it, right? In some ways, you took your eyes off yourself and saw, like, how could God use me? Yeah. Even in this situation.
2: Yeah. you, You
0: had the most spiritual Christmas. You had a great time. You were used by God in this moment while you have multiple broken bones it's Christmas it's COVID yet you are resilient really
1: yeah my faith definitely has a lot to do with that
0: so where do you go next
1: so then they sent me to rehab at first we thought I might have to go to Grand Rapids they ended up having a spot for me at Mary Free Bed in Traverse City oh so it's right in the hospital there so I went there I was there until mid-January. Okay. They were teaching me to slide board. They were doing like physical and occupational therapy. And if you're not familiar with a slide board, it's basically like this big board that you use to try to push yourself from one like chair to another or from a commode to another spot. Okay. And we did it. It was really tricky because I had two broken wrists, broken ankle, broken toes and a hip. So <laughs> it was a lot of trying to figure out how do we work this so I could move and be independent with all this broken stuff. Wow. But we made it work the best we could. And then Ben came because what they do is they have like a family training day. Okay. So your family members learn how to support you once you go home. Mm. And then the day he was there, my left leg had started getting weaker and weaker and wasn't working right. Mm. And I, my pain level went from, okay, I can tolerate this to, This is getting really bad. Even with pain meds, it's just not working. They had done an x-ray of the hip, didn't see much. I kept doing rehab, and finally my leg just quit. My quad muscle would not do anything. I couldn't lift my leg, couldn't do anything. So then they did a second x-ray, and they found that in the first x-ray as well, my hip had actually started dislocating again. Oh. So my hip re-dislocated completely. They rushed me off to another surgery for that. And I'd already had two surgeries previously because I'd had the first surgery right after the accident. Then they'd also, when they discovered the ankle and the hip, they'd done a second surgery for that. Okay. So this was my third surgery. Wow. In the course did... of how many weeks? Uh, About four weeks. Okay. So they rushed me off for that. And then they were hoping it was fixed. But when they did the operation, they noticed it wasn't really in very good shape as far mm-hmm. as the hip goes. So. They put me in a room up on the orthopedic floor. I was there, and I don't know how long it was, a few days probably at least. And then the nurses would turn me, both to clean my body but also keep me from getting bed sores because I couldn't get out of bed. I was bedbound the whole time. So they were turning me, and the hip was so unstable, it actually went out of place while they were turning me again.
0: Oh, my lanta.
1: So that, I actually never scream at people or never screamed at the nurses or anything that's like the only time i ever remember screaming at the nurses
2: (laughs) i'm sure hurt
1: really bad and i just about passed out so then they called the doctors right away they got me up for x-ray they took me down did the x-ray and they're like yep it's dislocated again so then they went in for another surgery to try to fix it they also now i'm four yeah (laughs) Yup, okay. <laughs> Four surgeries total. They they were not able to fix it very well. They put me in regular traction for a while to try to keep the leg stable. And it's they still couldn't figure things out. They were actually talking with different specialists because my case mm. was so unique, trying to figure out how do we save this hip and get it to stay in place. And they ended up doing another surgery on it. So it was the fourth surgery on the hip the fifth surgery altogether. there they put pens in it they also did skeletal traction which if you're not familiar with skeletal traction i'll let people look it up but it's i would call it the medieval torture device oh fun yeah they they basically have to put a rod in your leg to like keep things stable so it's it's pretty gruesome but so they did that and then it still wasn't Holding. They couldn't get things to stay the way they wanted them to. So I ended up with five surgeries total on the hip. Wow. By this point, I'd had six surgeries altogether. And the fifth surgery, they ended up doing a total hip replacement. Oh, okay. Because they couldn't save anything,
0: they just couldn't so, get it to stay together.
1: Yep. Yeah, there was too much that was broken.
0: You went through a lot.
1: I did. Y'all yep. went
0: through a lot. How did you continue to keep? your head in the game? How did you continue to just keep going and push through?
1: I think a lot of prayer. I had a lot of people praying for me, which I know made a huge difference. And then also just my own faith. I, my Bible that I was using before the accident is a big study Bible. And with two broken wrists, I couldn't hold it. Okay. And so sometimes I use the U version Bible on my phone, but I really like a printed Bible as well. Mm -hmm. So One of my aunts actually sent me a thin version Bible, which that was actually a blessing because it was so much lighter than the other ones. And then I was able to read that. And Mm -hmm. so I would read that every day when I was in the hospital. And then, like I said, people were praying for me. People sent like cards of encouragement, little gifts. There's also a song. One of our nieces, her name is Anna. She had sent me the song before the accident happened. It's called Joy by King and Country. And I hadn't heard it until she introduced me to it. And of course, neither of us, when she introduced me to it, had any idea of what was going to happen, but God knew. Yeah. And it talks about choosing joy. And I feel like that was a big part of it for me. Like every day I can choose to either be miserable and keep the people around me miserable, or I mm-hmm. can choose to find joy and maybe be a light while I'm here. So
0: exactly. And it's amazing what that choice does for us. It is. Yup. But it's, it's not easy. I'm sure there was days, I'm sure there were days that it was not easy to choose joy. No,
1: it's not always easy. (laughs) Nope. yeah, it helps too. I actually had, I found out pretty early on about like the hospital chaplain and some of the services that they had, and I would have them come in and pray Mm -hmm. with me. So they were there almost every single day because pastors weren't even allowed in. So like our regular pastor couldn't come and see me. Okay. I could only have the chaplains from the hospital. And then they also had people there that played harps, which was really cool because they would come in and pray with you and play the harp, which was really amazing to see.
2: Wow. So
1: just little things like that throughout the time, Mm -hmm. just finding different people and making connections and finding other people to pray with me. That made a big difference.
0: Wow. So how long did you end up staying?
1: Well, after the fifth hip surgery, I was at the orthopedic floor for a little bit longer, I want to say like about a week. Mm -hmm. Then they sent me back to Mary Free Bed for a couple of weeks. So by that point, I was actually able to learn to walk again. Oh, So I started taking my first step. And then every day we would try and go a little further, a little further. So then Ben came back in and they trained him all over again because (laughs) instead of using a slide board, I was using a wheelchair and a walker. Wow. Yeah. And then... Once he was trained, then I was able to go home mid-February. So
0: I mean, this was right before Christmas. So it was almost two months in the hospital.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was just a couple days short of two months that I was there. Yeah, and then once I got home, I continued to do in-home rehab. Mm-hmm. So they would send in an occupational therapist, physical therapist, a nurse came sometimes, and they would continue to work with me from home. And then once I finished with that, I went to outpatient rehab. So then they did even more training with me. They taught me to do it more independently. So once I was done with that, I did independent at their center, which was basically like doing the exercises they taught me, not directly with them, but they were there if I needed them. Okay. And then I went from there to now I just do them independently on my own. Very extensive, like well over a year of rehab. and.
0: (laughs) Man, what would you say is your biggest takeaway from going through a trauma like that?
1: I think my biggest takeaway is just trusting in God and trying to find the reason. Like you may not always know the reason, but just knowing that there is one, Mm -hmm. even if you don't understand it. And then also realizing it's not always about you. Mm. So like there were a lot of people that I feel like God used me to impact in one way or another. Like He had a reason for me being there and it wasn't always just about me. I feel like that made a big difference.
0: I love that you could see that though, because... I think there's two ways. Like you said, you had to choose joy every day. You could either be miserable every day or you could choose joy. The other choice you had to make was, am I going to allow God to use me in this situation?
2: Exactly.
0: And if, if you didn't look for those opportunities, if you weren't, if your eyes weren't open to those opportunities, you could have just said, forget it. This is about me. I'm going to train and I'm just going to focus in on me. But you chose to make a difference in somebody else's life. Yeah. Do you think do you think that that gave you courage to keep going too?
1: I think it did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Knowing that I was impacting other people, that it wasn't just about me. Mm-hmm. Also, like I found myself sometimes even praying like, God, show me if there's somebody you want me to influence. And sometimes like I would play worship music quite a bit, too. And sometimes mm-hmm. I would feel like God was telling me, you need to turn that off right now. And oh. somebody would come in and it would be somebody that maybe it seemed like they were almost turned off by God. Okay. But then by me turning the music off, sometimes it opened up doors for conversations that might not have happened if I had just kept doing what I wanted to do versus trying to be more open and reach people right. that were there, like meet them where they're at and go yeah. from there.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. We think that, oh, we should have that worship music on. But sometimes when somebody thinks, well, you're in that moment, I can't interrupt you. Right. Yeah. By you sh- By you turning it off, you opened yourself up that exactly i'm free free for anybody to come in yeah that's just amazing that's just amazing what what are some of the struggles ben went through
1: he had a really hard time especially with me being gone we don't like to be apart we never have (laughs) so a lot of people think we're still like newlyweds even though we've been married 11 years but that's fun we've never liked being apart so it was really hard for him we have Well, we have three dogs now. We got a puppy since I've come home and everything, but (laughs) we had two dogs at the time, and they were never allowed to sleep in the bed or anything, and once I was in the hospital, it was like all the rules went out the bed, Ben let the dog (laughs) sleep with him, but he was really lonely, and he wanted that companionship and just at least having something close to him, so one of our dogs to this day still thinks he gets, which we we let him now, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's just funny because he's like a bed hog. and
0: <laughs> Sure.
1: But yeah, and then I actually had another surgery. So I had a seventh surgery oh. in a year ago this past November. So 2021. Okay. That was the final surgery for now, at least. They had to do more repair of the internal damage. And mm. when they did that surgery, they actually discovered that my gallbladder had been herniated as well. So my gallbladder, colon, liver, all of those things were messed up along with the intestines. Man. Yep. Is
0: that, was that from the airbag that went off?
1: I think it was from the seatbelt. The one doctor said I wasn't wearing my seatbelt correctly. Mm. But what we think happened is the seatbelt, because I remember being like kind of down in the seat. Mm. I think the seatbelt didn't lock when it was supposed to. Oh. And so I slid a little bit and then it locked. And so it slammed right against my abdomen when it locked. Wow. So that caused a lot of damage. But it was neat with the when I went in for that seventh surgery, because I was at two different hospitals. So I was at McLaren and Petoskey when it first happened. And then okay. I was transferred to Traverse City to Munson for the rehab and then the hip surgeries. And so the stomach surgery happened at McLaren because that's where I had gone initially. Mm-hmm. And when I was there, one of the nurses had shared with me about which I've heard this from other people too, but like about what a miracle it was that I was even alive and how God had guided the hands of the surgeons as they operated on me. And it was just really cool to hear some of the stories of people.
0: How much is a transformed life worth? Did you know only two out of 10 students will make it all the way through high school in Haiti? But even though Haiti is in a humanitarian crisis, there are children who are learning how to dream. We want to invite you to be a hero in a young student's life. We want to invite you to sponsor a high school student so that they will continue to attend high school. They won't be part of the statistic. They will learn critical thinking and leadership and hands-on skills and you will be empowering them to make the change that we all want to see in Haiti. We invite you to come along. Go to www.reachoutlafande.com .org/give. There you can set up a monthly payment or a one-time payment. But we would love to have you partner monthly with us. Would you be a hero? And so being that you are a miracle. I mean, I remember getting um the message to pray for you, you know. It was all over your mom put it on Facebook and of course our parents go to the same church. And so yeah. I heard about it and I know that it was like great that Cindy survives was the first thing, Yo. you know, she's going into surgery, all these things. What does that mean to be a miracle? How has that changed your life and your perspective on life?
1: For me, it's been a reminder that God still has a purpose for me. He's got mm-hmm. a plan and a reason, like even in all of this, even like, like I mentioned, my husband has the peripheral neuropathy. We've been through a lot of different things in our 11 years of marriage And even in all of that, like, God has a plan and a purpose for it. So we may not understand the reason, but there is a reason, there's a purpose. And so that carries me through the rough days, like knowing that ultimately, in the end, what's going to matter the most is what we do for him now. Like, when I get to heaven, and I thought of this a lot in the hospital, when I get to heaven, I don't want to go there alone. I want to get there and not just be at the gates, like, hey, I'm here and I want to be having other people walk with me.
2: Absolutely. Amen. Mm -hmm.
1: That definitely uh, made a big difference in the hospital because it was like, if I'm here, I'm like, I can either lay in bed and feel sorry for myself, or I can try to impact the people around me.
0: Amen. So, I mean, I think that we can take so much from what you've shared with us today, because you've said, I had to choose joy. I had to decide is it going to be about me or is it, am I going to impact others? Those two things I have found in my life are where I find the most peace. If I start looking at me and all my problems and woe is me, I become a miserable person that you don't want to be around. Yeah. Right. But if I start looking at others and saying, how can I serve somebody else today? Who has a need? We start finding purpose kind of in our life. We start looking at Well, maybe it doesn't matter so much just about me. You know, it it changes our perspective. I talked to somebody the other day and she said she really kept asking God, why, why? And he told her, don't ask me why. Ask me for perspective. You know, you had that right perspective and we can learn from that no matter what situation we're going through. It's all about perspective. It's not necessarily to know the reason why. Like you said, you don't know why. You got in the accident. Maybe it was for all those other people that you touched along the way. But you could say, but God, I had to go through so much pain and I had to go through so much brokenness. But He used that brokenness in you. It was a literal brokenness. Yeah. But it was a brokenness in you. It could have broken your spirit. It could have. You mean it was 2020. It would have been so easy for you to have a broken spirit, not having your husband be able to come in and see you not being able to have your mom come up and see you. And, and you chose a different path. You chose to be used by God in your brokenness with whatever you had, you know, and he used it and he, he did, he gave you, I think the courage to just press on. Yeah. That's an amazing story, Cindy.
1: Yeah, I was raised in a Christian home and I became a Christian at four, Mm -hmm. which in my own walk, sometimes it's felt like because I've stayed a Christian a really long time Mm -hmm. and like I've done things wrong because everybody has done things wrong. But (laughs) sometimes it's felt like what story do I have or how can I impact people? And so I've just tried to keep... Going and just go back to like scripture verses, and that I was amazed how much in the hospital about how sometimes those scripture verses just came to me. Mm -hmm. And my whole life for us, like the Bible was always a part of our lives, but it wasn't something where like you had to do it, it was more like we would have scripture posted in different places, or like even with Ben and I, we have posters in the house. I have special markers that we write on the mirror with That Sometimes I'll put scripture on the mirror. Like, so for me, it was, it was so much a part of my life already. My faith was, Mm -hmm. and then I think it just carried over into the hospital and it was so much a part of my life from a very young age. It felt like God kind of showed me, like I've followed him for such a long time. It really can impact people, even if it's not like this big redemption story that some people have. Oh, Absolutely. And that made me really think in the hospital quite a bit. And then Mm -hmm. also, I know I've met a lot of people along the way who would be like, I can't do anything for God because they're in a wheelchair or they're paralyzed or they're, and one thing I felt like God really laid on my heart in the hospital was you can pray. And that's like way more powerful than we even Mm -hmm. think. A lot of times people don't realize how powerful it is, but I would find myself like praying for somebody in the next room if I heard them crying or like upset or something, or like even the roommate that was in my room at one point, just praying for her and trying to talk to her about things and things of faith and different things like that. And it was really cool because even some of the nurse aides started opening up about like one of them had thought about going to the mission field and Mm -hmm. just different things like that. And I never would have known any of that if I'd not been willing to share my faith and just like, and I wasn't even real, blunt about my faith it was more just everyday conversations right like almost right. as though you were talking about the weather in a sense because it was <laughs> just so common for me like that's just that's what I do so
0: yeah it wasn't like you were stuffing it down their throats it was yeah this is how I have the courage to go on because exactly you know, to me it sounds like it almost sounds like God had been preparing you all your life for this yeah you said you said I didn't feel like I had a story but I just kept going to the word and I always had verses and I always had you had that story in your heart it was like he's like this is your mission field yeah uh-huh. I've, I've been preparing you and you went it wasn't <laughs> the way most people want to be sent to a mission field but yeah. I really feel like you you were prepared for it
1: that's definitely very true yeah Yeah, and I'll send you a link later, too, but I have a couple of different blogs. One of them actually tells a lot about the accident on it, and I feel like that's been another way that God has used, because in the hospital, I've always been a writer. I love to write. Mm -hmm. I don't have any books published yet. I've started several, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't have them published yet, but I do have a blog. I've been published on other people's blogs and stuff, and so... When I was in the hospital, that's one thing that really came back to me a lot was I just want to be able to keep writing. Mm -hmm. And it's something God has laid on my heart for years to just write and tell my stories. And so I had already started this blog when Ben and I got married. We'd done stuff with it sporadically, but I started working on it more in the hospital and I couldn't type because I had two broken wrists. I think part of it's from being a special ed teacher, but I was like, okay, how am I going to accommodate this? So Ben actually got me this little headset with a microphone, and we would hook up the headset with a microphone, and I would literally do text, like speech to text, Uh and that's how I would write most of my blog posts for a while. Wow. So we found ways to make it work, but I feel like that blog, I know other people have read it, and even just those little things like looking for opportunities, how does God want to use me? Mm -hmm. And that was a big thing for me in the hospital. I'm not just going to lay here and do nothing. I can still do something. Right. So whether it's praying for somebody or like writing on a blog, if I can't type, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's it, right? It's just looking for ways. I love how you said some people will think because of their limitations, whether it's a wheelchair or whether it's special need of any sort, they think they can't be used by God. But it's yeah. so not true. There are so many ways that the Lord can use us, whether it's just through our daily actions, whether it's through a blog, whether it's through videos, whether it's through sitting with somebody who doesn't have a friend, just being there. I think we marginalize the, the ministry of being.
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: You know, we, we don't realize that just sitting with somebody in their moment is a huge ministry.
1: It is, you know. It can be really powerful.
0: And you had to be in that hospital. But in some ways, you were sitting with those people. Yep. You were just being. And I think that's where Christ uses us the most. What an amazing testimony. Yeah. I'm looking forward to your books because (laughs) (laughs) I know you have some going. um, And I'm excited that you have a couple blogs and we will definitely put them on the link here. Um, in the show notes. That sounds good. Yeah. Anything, anything you want to just make sure people know, like, how could you encourage somebody that's just feeling like I am just, maybe they're in the hospital right now listening to this, or maybe they're recovering from something, or maybe they're just feeling broken from something else. What would you encourage them?
1: I would say just know that there's a purpose, even if you don't understand it. Like I've read a lot of like John Eldridge and Stacey Eldridge's stuff. And one of the things he talks about is like being caught up in this grand adventure kind of like if you read the Bible, it's a story of all ages. It's mm-hmm. the greatest story ever. And so when you read it, we're part of that. Oh. So if you're in a hospital or if you're in a place where you're really hurting There's a reason, there's a purpose, even if you don't understand it. And maybe it's not about you. Maybe there's somebody else that needs something you can give them, even in your pain. Mm. Because I think sometimes our greatest wounds are the way God uses us the most.
0: Amen. Amen. I think that he wants to use those parts of us. I would agree. Our greatest wounds are the place he can use us the most. Yeah. Do you think that um, going through this situation... It has made you more compassionate for other people, I think
1: definitely, yeah, I think, as a special ed teacher, I was already somewhat compassionate, like also I grew up. I have an aunt who actually adopted quite a few children with special needs, so I and I have other cousins who are deaf and stuff, so I grew up knowing people that were different or had different needs. but I think being in the hospital and actually seeing people that were hurting where they were at. Mm-hmm. It really gave me a heart for them. I'm actually a part of our church. We go to Efree Church in Gaylord, and I'm a part of their ABLE ministry, okay. which what we have there is for special needs children. We have a ministry where we have buddies so that they can be with the church and with the activities that other students are doing while their parents are in church service. So that's been a real blessing. With the accident and stuff, I haven't been able to help as much as I would like to, but I still help as often as I can. Uh And it's just been amazing to see what God does. I think sometimes like we've talked about, sometimes people feel like, well, I'm in a wheelchair or I have this disability or I have this wrong with me, or I've done this really bad thing in my life. So God can't use me. But even some of the children, like I've grown so much and just God's showing me so much through them. Mm -hmm. And some people would think, well, You know, maybe they're nonverbal or they can't tell you anything, but God can actually use even people who are nonverbal or people in a wheelchair to really show us and teach us a lot.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, I have enjoyed hearing your story because I didn't know it all. You know, I just knew what was on Facebook and that you had a lot of, I'm blown away by your perseverance, by your compassion, by... The way you I mean, you are such an example to me because, you know, I have my own struggles and I'm sure other people it, choosing joy is a hard thing. And in the situation you had to choose joy in, that's such an example to us all. It's an example that we can learn from. And so I'm so thankful that I had this time to talk with you. I'm so thankful to hear your story. You have blessed me. God has used you to to touch my heart, to teach me. He's used you to consistently show me what he's been speaking to me is the truth. And I need to walk in that way. He's saying everything I've been telling you, look at Cindy just told you. (laughs) You need to choose joy. You need to have the right perspective. It doesn't matter where you are at. There's a ministry field for you. Yeah. And and you are, you're just a light. You're a light and you're definitely shining bright for Christ. And I love what you said about when I go to the gates of heaven, I don't want to go alone.
2: Exactly.
0: Yup. And that's, that's what I want to, I don't want to go alone. Yup. And I don't want people to live in the brokenness when they can live in the hope of Christ.
1: I would agree with that. Yup. So yeah, my name actually means bringer of light. And I think that that, For me, my whole life, because when we were younger, we would look up what what does your name mean? And that's what my name means. And so that's something I've focused on a lot. I feel Mm -hmm. like sometimes name meanings can really actually impact you a lot. Just words can impact you. And so that's I've kind of made it my goal in that sense. Like I remind myself of that all the time. I want to be a light to people.
0: You are Cindy, bringer of light.
1: Yep. Exactly. I
0: I love that. Yep. Wow.
1: Yeah, the world can be very dark, but we're supposed to
0: be the light. So, amen. And you are. God has. I try. God to be. has used you. <laughs> amen. Um. Well, let's bring this to an end. But do you have a favorite verse? Do you have something that you really cling to in those dark moments?
1: Yeah. Um. Philippians four thirteen, mm. which talks about I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Amen. So. That was actually a verse when I was relearning to walk and stuff. I would quote that to myself all the time. Mm-hmm. Just I can do this through Christ because he gives me the strength to do it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I love Philippians. And, and I think it's I think it's 16 times Paul says Paul says to rejoice or to be joyful. And so it just goes back to you saying I got to choose joy. So exactly. Philippians is a great book for you to think about because If you read Paul, he's in prison and he's telling his people that. But I don't believe he always, I don't think it was always easy for Paul to choose joy. Also, because he says, I'm going to send Timothy to you in the hopes that he can tell me stories to cheer me up. So why did did Paul need cheered up if he was rejoicing always, right? It's not that we're not sad. It's not that we're not in hard moments but we choose joy. And sometimes there's little things that help. Like he had Timothy tell him stories. You had words of encouragement. You had cards that were sent or prayers that were sent. And those things encouraged you and gave you strength. So exactly, even coming from the outside, I think it's good to remember how to, how do we who are not the ones broken help those who are, you know, Yeah. what would your, what would have been different if nobody sent you a card or nobody called? Those things were used to encourage you so that you could go on to your field. Yep. So, so even though, you know, your mom wasn't the one doing the missions, she was praying for you. She was sending she you was. cards. She was probably sending you little texts. She was. So in some ways she was impacting those other people because she was impacting you. She so, really was. Yep. If we have somebody in our life who's going through something, just those little things of encouragement can make a huge difference. They can. Just showing up for people, even if it's not in every way that we think it doesn't necessarily have to be a meal. It doesn't have to be, it could be, but it could just be those words of encouragement or that card. And so I think that if we're the ones not broken in the moment or the ones not on the field the best way we can encourage is by encouraging those who are hurting
1: exactly right yeah Um, yeah with my mom she would actually post scripture on facebook and she still does it to this day mm -hmm. she'll post a little scripture and we've had quite a few people tell us how much that means to them yeah just those little things can make a really big difference
0: yeah you just don't know how far your um your encouragement can impact and how far it can go it's really a ripple effect
2: it is yep
0: you know it you touch one is. life and that life touches multiple lives so yep that's good god is so good god's so he good is. he's just so faithful even in our hurts even in our moments of, of feeling frustrated or feeling like i mean you i'm sure there were moments you were like like you said what's next it was probably almost scary to say that <laughs> Yeah. No, I'm not going to say what's next anymore, <laughs> anymore. It's done, right? God, it's done.
1: <laughs> yeah. We kind of got to a point where we were like, we're not going to say what's next because we, whatever happens, happens. Like, stuff just keeps
0: happening. <laughs> just so, keeps happening. I know in, in Haiti for a while, I just kept saying, you know, it's darkest before the dawn. The dawn has just got to be around the corner because it's so dark right now. And then it would get darker. <laughs> and I'm you like, hope? I'm not, I'm done. I'm not saying it anymore because. <laughs> Obviously, I don't know how dark it can get, right? We just pretty have to much persevere and we we move on and we go. And even in the darkness, even in the brokenness, we, I think choosing joy doesn't mean that we don't believe it's happening or that we say it's not something important or it has you choosing joy didn't take away your brokenness. It was still there. Exactly. It Yelp. didn't mean that it wasn't happening or that it didn't hurt. Yes, it, it did. hurts. Yes, I don't like the situation, but I can choose joy. I can yeah. choose to be used in the situation. I can choose to persevere. It doesn't neglect the fact that it's happening. I say that because I think sometimes, you know, the Bible tells us not to worry and to bring everything to the Lord. But yet we feel almost guilty sometimes, I think, if we don't worry about a situation. Like, I think we're not, sometimes, you know, we're, we're, it means we don't care if we don't worry or we don't. And it doesn't mean we don't care. If we find joy, even in a hard situation, it doesn't mean we don't care. It means we're not focusing on that worry. Knowing yeah. that it's in God's hands. I prayed over, it, I put it in the Lord's hands. And now today I'm just going to walk in faith and walk in peace because that's a much happier place to live. It is. Yup. When my stomach is so anxious and full of worry, it hurts. It does. Yeah. It's physical. Yep, it is. And when we can say, like, I recognize it's here, but I'm still going to choose joy. We're where God wants us to be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was something for me. I felt like it wasn't that I never worried or, like, was scared of all the surgeries or had pain or anything. It was I chose to focus on something greater than me. mm so I know CS Lewis has a quote and I'm not going to say it exactly, but he talks something about how those who had the biggest impact on this world were the ones who thought most of the next. Wow. And I thought of that quote often when I was in the hospital, like I can choose to focus on. It's not that those things, like you said, it's not that they're not happening to you. Like I could still feel the pain and I would still worry about the surgeries and stuff, but I can choose to dwell on that or mm-hmm. I can choose to focus on the world after this one. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to focus on is how am I going to impact for the world after this one?
0: And I mean, that's good to hear because I don't want people to listen and think, oh, I can't be like Cindy. She didn't. She must not have, you know, dealt with this or with that. The reality is you dealt with struggle. I'm sure you had moments of wanting to despair. I'm sure you had moments of wanting to be depressed or maybe even being depressed or crying, laying in your bed alone. Yup. Yeah. And
1: I still do at times. I've actually worked with a psychologist since the accident. It was part of the rehab at Mary Free Bed. Oh, wow. And so one of the toughest things I think was learning to drive again and not Mm -hmm. feel super anxious. I still have moments of anxiety. I actually I drove through a storm just before the surgery last winter. And I spent the entire storm quoting (laughs) Philippians because (laughs) I was like, I can do this. I can do this through Christ. Like, and it was tough, but I kept reminding myself I can do this because Christ is giving me the strength to do it. Yeah. So it's not that I never have moments of anxiety, but I try to go back to Christ will help me through this. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: God's got a plan in this. And like, even if I don't make it, I'm going to go home to him. So either way, it's good.
0: Right. So, yeah. I think courage is, is not the lack of fear. It's doing something in spite of fear. It is. Yep. I
1: right? would agree
0: with that. And so, you know, joy isn't the lack of sorrow. It's just yep. choosing to be joy even through it.
1: It is. Yeah. Okay. I would often say in the hospital, well, I'm just going to do this scared. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it wasn't that I wasn't afraid, but.
0: <laughs> you just have to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you are refreshing. <laughs> well, um, I just want to, I think I want to close in prayer. Let's okay, that prayer. sounds good. All right. Lord, I just thank you for this moment with Cindy. I thank you for her testimony and her story. I thank you for the miracle that she is. I thank you that you are still using her, that she is the light. You shine brightly through her, Lord Jesus. She is the bringer of light. She brings your light to this world. And I know that through her, her blogs, and one day through her books, you are going to be glorified and you are using her and you are continuing to use her. Lord, I pray that if there's anybody listening today that's feeling broken, whether it's a physical brokenness or a spiritual brokenness, that they would realize that you love them, that you have good things in store for them, that you desire to heal their brokenness and to use it for your good. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you that you never leave us. You never forsake us. You are a good God. You are a good father. And we are so thankful for your love for us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Don't you want something I gotta tell you what he did for me. He wants to do for you. He wants to heal you. Oh, he wants to give you new. I had a great conversation with Cindy today. I hope you enjoyed listening along. I love that her name is Bringer of Light. That is truly what she embodies. It's what she did. I wrote three things down that she stated. The first was, Every day I could choose to be miserable and make the people around me miserable, or I could choose to find joy and maybe be a light while I'm here. She said, Sometimes our greatest wounds are the way God uses us the most. And the last thing I want to remind you is, she said, when I get to heaven, I don't want to go there alone. Cindy made a choice. What a great example she is to us, how to make a choice to choose joy in a miserable situation. It's not that she didn't have moments of sadness, and feeling alone and maybe even feeling sorry for herself, Those are normal feelings and those are okay feelings. But when we choose to dwell there, we don't find the peace and the happiness and the joy that we want. When we choose to make a choice like Cindy did, Cindy chose. She had to make a choice. Do I want to be miserable? Do I want to make everybody else miserable? Or do I want to find joy somewhere in this do I want to allow myself to be used by God in this situation? And she thought about what what comes next. What comes next is she stands at the gate. And she said, I, didn't, I don't want to stand at the gate by myself. I want to bring people with me. Cindy made a choice. I encourage you. I encourage myself. Let's make choices today to be the light. We can all be Cindy's bringers of light. Say if you enjoyed today's episode, would you click subscribe, leave a review, and if you think you know somebody who needs to hear this, share it with them. Let's grow this community of compassionate people who want to choose joy, who want to have a safe place. Let's grow this community together.